0: Good to see you, especially those that are at Tree Worth. So glad you are back in the house. I know many of you have just been longing to get back in. I know you were so glad, so glad, so glad, so glad, and we are glad that you are there as well. Whether you're in the house or you're online or you're at True Worth, I want to remind you about the little green wrist brands. If you do not have one of these, the little spiritual Fitbits, uh, we want everyone to get one. So at True Worth, you should be having them. If you're online, uh, just kind of mention the chat. If we didn't get it to you last week, we will this week, okay? But if you're new, you're just joining us. Uh, this is kind of reminding us what we're doing along the journey. But if you're in the house, please get one in the crossing. Uh, we we want to kind of remind ourselves what we're doing throughout the week. And if you are new, I, I would love to meet you. And I'm going to introduce myself right here to you in a moment. I would like for you to do the same to me out in the crossing. But uh, in a moment, I, I'm going to introduce myself. And, I'm gonna, and your job is to say, when that time comes, to say, respond with Hi Rick. And I want you to do it with all the joy the gospel packed in those two little words. And I want you to do it in such a way that just all the, the warmth and the goodness of God just comes so clear through what you, when, when you say that, that anybody is up here that's singing, that's teaching, that's leading, just feels so comfortable being vulnerable and transparent and being just courageous and being vulnerable in what God has to say, okay? So let's see how you do here, whether you're online, Sanctuary, tr- we're all going to do this. So hello everybody, my name is Rick, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Wow. And if this is you for the very first time, put your name in that blank. Hi, this is for you. We want you to feel that joy. We want you to know you're that welcome. That this is a place for you, regardless of what's going on in your life, this is a place for you to fit in. Okay? Uh, Let's pray. I'd invite you wherever you are around the world, whether it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, middle of the afternoon that you're joining us here in this worship, you're in the house, online, just be still, be aware of God's presence. And I would invite you to say just these three words. Let's make it four words. I need you, God. Just say those four words. I need you, God. Hear our prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We are in a series where we are growing together and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And a follower of Jesus Christ is someone who is a disciple. I don't mind telling you, this is one of those kind of series that you would typically do during the season of Lent. That is the six weeks prior to Easter. And I really thought about putting it off and waiting before Easter before we did this. But the state of the world and what's going on in our election and what's going on with COVID, I felt the conviction of God, no, Let's do it now. But what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It's very common you come up to somebody and you say, are you a Christian? They go, yeah, I'm a Christian. Then you say, are you a disciple? And they go, "Uh, I don't know. We're kind of fuzzy on what a disciple is. Literally, if you study the Bible, a disciple is someone who literally Physically followed Jesus. I mean, they followed him wherever he went. And they imitated what he did. All for the purpose of growing closer to God and growing closer to the people around them. All for the purpose of learning how to love God, receive God's love, and to love the people around them. That's a disciple. Pretty simple, really. And then you read about over here in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, you have all these little practices of the people who are following Jesus after he ascended into heaven of the things that they did to be a disciple. And we're now kind of learning those things ourselves. And we're calling them these steps. Uh, These are steps that people have practiced for years that God has used to help people change, to help people heal, to help people have transformation in their life. And I'm going to admit here, what we're talking about here, uh, what I'm teaching you, it's not rocket science, it's not brain surgery, it's not that complicated. And yet, if you practice these steps, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you practice them with consistency and intensity, you can experience transformation and change and healing in your life too and stop repeating the same stupid thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. You can't. Step number one was foundational. If you were here three weeks ago, uh, hopefully you remember it. If not, I encourage you to go back and catch up with us, and it's just step one is surrender. God, I give up. I surrender my life and my will to you, and that is the prayer of a disciple. Every day, your will be done, 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 your will be done. Step number two, very simple. Uh, My mind, God has given me this mind, and there's so much junk that comes into it, and it's a great mind. But if my mind's going to stay great, it's got to be filled with great thoughts. So that means I'm going to read my Bible. I'm just going to read my Bible every single day. Great thoughts going into my mind. I hope you're doing our life steps. Yesterday morning, uh, there was a verse I just love from the Psalms. It says, I promise I will not neglect your word. I just sat there on that for a little bit when I read that yesterday morning. I will not neglect your word. What does that mean for you? I will not neglect your word. I promise to God, I will not neglect your word. And this morning, we are at step number three. I'm going to begin to introduce this concept of step number three by reading from Exodus Uh, Chapter 2, two little verses beginning at verse 11. Uh, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him or he buried him in the sand. The scripture says that Moses looked this way. And he looked that way. What way did he not look? He didn't look up. And I promise you that if he would have looked up, if he would have invited the presence and the power of God into that situation, there would have been a different outcome in these two little verses. Now, here's what I know. In your life, in your family, in your relationships, if you know someone who's a bully, you have someone in your family tree that's dysfunctional, they're toxic, they get under your skin, they annoy you to the fullest. Someone at your office, someone in your life circle, your neighborhood, just, uh, and you want to kill them. If you pray, A prayer and invite the, look up, invite the presence of God into that moment. Your will be done, God. Your will be done. Your will be done. I promise you this. The thought will not come into your brain. I think I'm going to kill him and bury him in the sand. (laughs) Total different outcome in that moment. Jesus was a person of intense prayer. His whole life was just a prayer-filled life. From the very beginning, when he began his ministry, 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days of prayer, to the very last night before he went to the cross, a long night of prayer and everything in between. Now, most of you and me, when we pray, we fold our hands, close our eyes, and bow our head. And we think that's the proper posture for praying. But when you study the Scriptures, this is not the way most people in the Bible prayed. We think this idea of head bowed and eyes closed came from Victorian Sunday school teachers who had these little wild little hellions in their class, these little kids that, that the church convinced them and persuaded them to teach while everybody else is in worship. And to keep those kids quiet and kind of tame down, fold your hands, close your eyes, and bow your head. And so we just kind of do the same thing. But when you read the Bible... That's not really how it happens. In John chapter 11, when Jesus was about to call Lazarus out of the tomb, the scripture says he looked up and he thanked God that he hears him when he prays. Then he calls him out of the tomb. In John chapter 17, in that great last night of prayer, before Jesus goes to the cross, that great last night of prayer, it says in verse 1, he looked toward heaven And then he prayed. And it's almost like by his physical body posture, Jesus is teaching you and me that when you and I pray, we are getting an elevated vision of the goodness of God, of the power of God, of the presence of God in our life in the here and now. And he's saying you and I have a choice when you pray. You can begin your prayer by looking down at all your problems looking down at the size of your problems, the size of your own inadequacy. You can look at your uncertainty and and anxiety about tomorrow, the fear in your heart, or you can look up at the greatness of God, the sufficiency of God, the promise of God that he holds tomorrow in his hand, and hear God say, fear not, for I am with you, I love you, I will never ever leave you or forsake you. It's your choice. Now last week I said step number two is very simple, it's just five little words, I will read the Bible. Step number three is even more simple, it's not rocket science, it's not brain surgery, it's just a commitment, I will pray. That is step three, I will pray, I will pray. I will pray on a regular basis. I will make prayer a regular part of my life. Now, here's what we're doing every week in this series. Every week in this series, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging myself for us to come out of denial, come out of the closet of denial, stop all the excuses, all the lame excuses of what you and I tolerate, spiritual mediocrity. And can I just say the truth? Most of us, we tolerate spiritual mediocrity in our lives. And we make excuses and justify it. And here's some of the excuses that I've heard over the years for people who do not pray. I don't have time to pray. I don't know how to pray. I tried praying. I didn't get what I want, so I just don't think prayer works, so I stopped. I think there is a God, uh, but I don't think God is concerned about me. I don't think there really is a God. My mind wanders when I pray. If I try a formula, it feels fake. If I freestyle it, freestyle it, it feels confusing, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm too cynical, I'm too tired, I fall asleep when I pray, I'm afraid if I pray for God to make change, He'll want me to do the changing, I pray that other, I pray, I don't pray because other people pray, they hear God speak, I've never heard God speak to me, people say God knows everything, well if God knows everything, why should I bother, He already knows what He's going to do anyway. I'm in spiritual timeout because I did something bad, dog. Didn't want to hear from me right now. I'm too introverted. I'm extroverted. The dog ate my homework. You name it. <laughs> it's incredible the excuses that you and I come up with for not praying. And what's so interesting about you and me, we give God the blame for all the bad stuff that happens in our life, and we take all the credit for the good stuff. Something bad happens, what's the first word out of our mouth? Why? Why, God? Where were you, God? What is this world like? I mean, I mean, how, 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 how can you believe in a God and pray to a God who allows so much suffering? Oh, how I've heard that so many times. And yet, when something good happens to us, we go, man, I'm killing it. <laughs> Man, I just got it going on. I'm, I mean I, I'm I'm rocking it. I'm all over the place. That's That's the state of the human condition. That's us. It can best, best be described by this little metaphor. Over here on Bowback property, let's say, they find two worms, and two worms, these brothers, these worms were brothers, and they're working on the construction site, and they see all the earth being moved, and they're they're running for their lives, and they run and crawl on the shovel handle, two little brother worms, and a workman comes over and picks up the shovel to carry it to another location, and both of the worms fall off the shovel. One falls into a dead cat. One falls into a crack in the sidewalk. The one who falls into the dead cat just eats and eats and eats for three days. Just so strong. After three days, he crawls out of the cat, over his brother, in the sidewalk. He looks down to the crack of the sidewalk and says, hey, brother, how you doing down there? Not very good. I've gone three days without food. I'm starving. But look at you. You look awesome. What's the secret to your success? Oh, brains and personality, brother. (laughs) Brains and personality. And we laugh. But yet when someone asks you, someone asks you, hey, what do you attribute to how great and awesome is your life? Oh, man, I'm just killing it. I'm working hard. I'm all over it. Brains and personality until you fall into the crack of the sidewalk and you will and then you learn our second point here your first rule line in, in your message point I am designed to live depending upon God that's how you're made you are, you, you are made, every single breath you take is a dependency upon God. That's how God made you and me. And you find that out when you fall on the crack of the sidewalk, and you will. Now this morning we're talking about prayer. And we're going to be talking about a certain kind of prayer. I'm going to zero in on a very specific kind of prayer that's particular to this step that we're learning this morning, step number three. And it's right connected to the 11th step of the 12 step program if you're someone who's familiar with that. And we're not talking about prayer where you want certain outcomes where you're looking for certain circumstances in your life to be perfect. We're not talking about you getting the job that you ask God to give you, for God to give you your health and to heal you from something. We're not talking about the money coming in that you need so desperately. It's not talking about the relationship being restored or right or even someone giving you someone to love or to love you. It's certainly okay to pray that way. The Bible says you can. I'm not saying not to pray that way. It's totally okay to talk to God about those sort of things. But I am going to say this. If you're someone and that's the only way you pray, and it could be that's the way you were just taught that's the only way to pray. And that may be on me. But if that's you and that's the way you pray, I will tell you, you're kind of like an alcoholic who hadn't figured it out yet. And you're trying to arrange all the players who are acting in your little story to do what you want to get the outcome you want for your life, what you think is right, including God, to perform the way you want God to perform. Prayer. It's not you saying something the right way, some sort of magic formula to get what you want, to get God to do what you want to do. Magic hocus-pocus, and you, everything is perfect in your life. Prayer is a conversation with the person. And the person is God. If you're in your home and you go and you turn the light switch, you flip the switch, and the light doesn't come on, you would say, well... Uh, doesn't, light doesn't work. If you go into your car, you turn the key ignition or you push the little start button and it doesn't fire up, you go, well, the car doesn't work. But if I go home and I talk to my wife and I say, babe, I know you work all day long. You got a full-time job. You work hard. But babe, I really want you to fix me breakfast every single morning and to massage my feet every single night. And I want you to take care of my dry cleaning take it and pick it up and polish my shoes and and get my clothes all taken care of and get everything around the house and be at my beck and call when I need it and want it, regardless of what it is, and it doesn't happen, does that mean that talking to my wife doesn't work? Does that mean my mind doesn't work? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Prayer... It's not me getting God to do what I want when I want. If God doesn't, it doesn't mean the prayer doesn't work. Prayer is a conversation with the person. And it's not just doing all the talking, it's doing a lot of listening. After all, God knows more than any of us. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient, all those omni stuff. God knows more than all of us, put together, plus. And prayer is the idea that in faith, if I pray, and in prayer, I come to listen and I come to know the mind of God, and I come to know the heart of God, and I come to hear what God hears, and I come to see what God sees, and I learn to love like God loves, then maybe in every single moment I can do and act like God would because Jesus is in me working through me. That's the kind of prayer we're talking about. In fact, let me kind of give you what it is. Step three prayer. God Give the knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry it out. That's the prayer. Very simple. That's it. That's the step three prayer. Really connected to the, to, the tw- to the 11th step. God, give me the knowledge of your will for me really in this particular moment and this day and to give me the power to carry it out. I would remind you, the foundation of all these steps, the first step is, I surrender. Your will be done. Your will, this prayer flows right out of that. Your will be done. God, show me your will for me in this experience, in this moment, in this day, and give me the power to carry it out. Now, there's a passage over here in Hebrews that's going to help us with this a little bit. Go over to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to begin t- uh, three four verses here, beginning at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now those last five words, in our time of need, in our time, help us in our time of need. It kind of implies that in my life I have times of need and times of not need. I have moments perhaps when I don't need God, and then I have moments where I don't need God. So here's my question for you. Just for you, your own personal self-reflection. Only you can answer it. How often would you say that you would acknowledge that you say you need God so you can live your life well regardless of what is going on around you? How? how, how just think about that. How often is that that you would say you really need and you acknowledge you need God? Here's some examples of moments you might find yourself in and I find myself in. When somebody says the wrong thing to you, you don't know what to say, or their body language is in, in crazy, and you go, "Ah, what's going on there? Oh, you have a problem at work. It's beyond your wisdom. Uh, your child has you worried half to death. Uh, your thoughts are drifting toward envy and resentful and bitterness. You're afraid of the future because you don't have enough money. You've got a hard conversation you've got to have, and your heart's all nervous, and your stomach is turning into knots. Maybe you get to a point of living your life you're ungrateful. You're bored. You have lust for someone in your heart that pops in out of the blue. Uh, you're worried you're going to miss the opportunity. You're going to miss the opportunity to be peaceful. You're missing out on experiences. You're missing out on joy. You're missing out on stuff. Uh, you're missing out on blessing the person in the Starbucks line, m- blessing the person who's now on the, the road to you uh, in your neighborhood, in your house. Uh, maybe you're someone who just squanders your life away and you wake up and go, Where'd my life go? Uh, where did the day go? What did I do? I mean, how did, how, how did I get to this point in my life? I feel like I'm drifting. I'm going nowhere. I'm, I'm so hurried all the time. I hurry, 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 hurry. I'm so irritable. I just can never get shake of my irritability. I'm so hard to love. I have a hard time loving. Now let me ask you, if these moments connect with any of you at any time in your life, how many of these moments do you think Could benefit from you being connected to the unending flow of God's wisdom, God's presence, God's peace, and God's counsel into that moment. How many of those moments would be better if God was invited into it? How many of them? All of them! In fact, here's number three for your message notes. Moment by moment, I am in need of God's mercy and grace. Moment by moment. So God, may mercy and grace find to help us in our time of need. And that time of need is every moment, every second, every breath. I need God. I need God. And I have a choice. And you have a choice. You can begin every morning waking up, focused on all the problems Overburdened, overwhelmed, burned out, tired, oh, oh, just feeling all that, anxious about tomorrow, regretting your past, or you can begin your day looking up to the greatness of God and say, God, today. In the next 30 minutes, before I even get to the breakfast table, can you show me your will for me to how to interact with my family, my kids, that first phone call, and give me the power to carry it out? And it's your choice. Now, I'm going to get real practical here with you. I told you I was going to do that. And for some of you, this is going to go, okay. Some of you, this is going to be new. Some of you, this is going to be reinforcement. But I'm going to get very practical. There's a lot of space there uh, there, in your, on, your, on your notes section there, on, on your app. And there's, I think there's like well, about eight marks there. I'm going to give you nine different things. And we're going to work through them as quickly as I can. But here's getting practical. Here's what I encourage you to do when it comes to prayer, this step three kind of prayer. I want to encourage you to start every single day, every single day with prayer without fail. Remember, you have to rearrange your life around these practices if you're going to become the disciple and become the person you want to be, the husband, the wife, the parent, the boss. You got to rearrange. So part step three, I'm going to start every single day with prayer. The scripture says God's mercies are new every morning. Every single morning. Now, for some of you, this is a problem because you're not a morning person. You're not. Uh, you wake up groggy, you wake up grumpy. People in your family, they don't even want to be around you till you've had coffee. Jesus doesn't want to be around you till you've had coffee. <laughs> so here's what I encourage you to do. Start with coffee. <laughs> for God's sake, literally for God's sake, before you pray, start with coffee. And then if you had your coffee... Go sit down. Find a little quiet place just for a couple of minutes. You don't have to be heroic. I'm not talking about a 30-minute deal here. I'm just talking about maybe even 30 seconds to a minute, two minutes, just find a little quiet place. And something, this is problematic because you have young children. And your young children in the morning, they're not going to let you be quiet. They're not going to be quiet. So here's what you, you might have to move away from your kids for two or three years if you're going to do this. <laughs> just let them figure it out. They'll be OK. Then you come back, you know? Uh, I, I know it's a challenge when, if you have small kids. You might have to, the second thing I would say, you might have to get creative with this then, if this is your issue. That's the second thing I would suggest, being very get creative. Uh, maybe you take it when near a nap. If you have your stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, you take it while you're laying down for a nap. You stop find to a little quiet moment as soon as you can. Uh, maybe you download a prayer app. I've got a couple of prayer apps on my phone. There's so many. Uh, in the morning, I usually have a practice of prayer in my chair before I leave the house. But sometimes I got so much on my mind and things, I don't think it was, I really didn't center in like I needed to. So I'll kick on the prayer app. It's about 10 or 12 minutes. It's about how long it takes me to get from, the, from my house to the office. And it just kind of guides you through a the series of thoughts and everything. Sometimes I'll put a song on. I'll just find a song, and I'll just listen to that song until for and just kind of get lost in the song to get filled with the presence of God. Do your life step. You don't know how to pray? You're going, You're Pastor, I wouldn't know where to begin praying. Well, I'll give you a little help. Do your life steps. Because every morning, we have about two verses of Scripture to read right now, and we actually give you a prayer to pray. I mean, you can even take this prayer right here. So I'm just saying, don't get stuck in a rut. Be, be, be creative so it's not the same all the time. And don't mean, if it doesn't happen this way, it's not prayer. Ah, that's not true. Now, I, want, I think there's something else we can learn from the Scripture in verse 16. I want to read that verse again. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Those first few words then, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and don't overthink it. Who is on God's throne? Okay. I heard it a little bit, but I want everybody to get the quiz right, okay? Because this is not a trick question. You're in church. I'm not doing this to you. Okay. Who's in Grant's tomb? Woo. <laughs> Woo. OK. Who's on God's throne? God. God's on his throne. Almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-marvelous, all-wonderful, God is on the throne. So here's my third little thing to offer you is practical help. Begin with thinking about God. Don't begin thinking about your measly little old life with your measly little old problems and your measly little old world and your little old micro. Oh, 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 oh. Begin with God. God. You're coming into his presence. He's not coming into your presence. He's everywhere. You're coming into the presence of almighty, all-knowing, all-loving God, and God is able. God was able to give this 90-year-old woman a child. Sarah was her name. God was able to part the Red Sea with the army approaching God was able to deliver this little boy named David from the, from the giant named Goliath, and, and God was able to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. God was able to calm the storm, to walk on the water. God is able to judge the nations in righteousness. And God is able to do more than you and I can ask Or imagine according to the riches of his grace that are in Christ Jesus. God is able. God is on the throne. And when you come into his presence, your first awareness and the thought is of the presence of God. And he's on the throne. It's not a throne of performance. It's not a throne of brains and personality. It's not a throne of high, spiritual, giant, holy, gooder, two-shoes people. It's not a throne of the beautiful, rich, and wealthy people of influence. The scripture says it's a throne of what? Grace. I want you to picture, his the next thing, I want you to picture a throne of grace. In your mind, you're preparing for prayer that I'm coming for a phone of grace. You know who, who's around a throne of grace? It's misfits and mess-ups. It's failures. It's losers. It's addicts. It's people who've been left behind. It's the people who don't get it. It's the dysfunctional, the toxic. It's the most sinful. You name it. It's people like you and me. It's a throne of grace. And that means that you can come out of the closet. You can come out of the darkness and the hiding of your own sin, of your own life. That you're pretending you don't want anybody else to know about your stuff. And you can come before God and you can let him know and stop the pretending and the hiding. Cause it's the throne of grace. Aren't you glad? And the next thing the scripture says, I come before a throne of grace with confidence. I want you to think about coming before him, the next line I would say, with humble confidence. You pray, I'm going to pray with a humble confidence. I'm not going to come fearful. I'm not going to come dreading. I'm not going to come anxious. I'm not going to come embarrassed. I'm not going to come, all oh, just like a worm. I'm going to come with humble confidence. Humble, because there's nothing I can do to ever be good enough. Not because of my spiritual performance. Not because I was a good dad or a good husband or a good pastor. Because I will never, ever, 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 ever meet the mark. I will never be holy enough or never be good enough. So humble. But with confidence. Because we have a great high priest the Scripture says. And His name is Jesus. That when you and I wake up in the morning, we remember that while we were still sinners, while we were still separated from God, while we were still lost in our own drunkenness, in our own unsobriety, whatever that would be, in our own crazy in our life, while we were there, God sent His Son Jesus into the world. He offered himself on a cross for the on a bloodstained cross for the sacrifice of our, for the forgiveness of our sins, that we might come into his presence and say, God, I need you. There's a throne, and God is on it the throne of grace. I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. I come confident because Jesus is my high priest and he's taken care of it all for you. And if anybody in the house is alive, somebody might say amen. Amen. It's not all upon you. He took it upon himself. And then uh, I'm going to invite Jesus into my day. I'm just going to invite him uh, into my day. I'll tell you what, church. For a long time, when I invited Jesus into my day, uh, I didn't have the confidence that I needed to have. This past summer was a... uh, a challenging summer for me in my own personal life. The stuff and the COVID and the church and everything, and there were many times I was feeling just kind of like I just had about this much left. I don't I imagine some of you felt the same way. Just I got I got about this much left. I just got about this much left. Started reading through my old journals, my prayer journals. I read through my prayer journals and they were all, all, all so similar. God, I messed up again today. I blew it again today, God. I'm a horrible pastor. I'm a horrible dad. I'm a horrible husband. I did this. I did that. I should have done that. I thought that. I did this. I'm a horrible leader. Blah 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 blah. All that sort of stuff. Blah blah blah. And they were all like that. And when I'm reading through it, I was going, "Wow, all these prayers, everything like this." Sometimes I'm write my prayers out in my journal, and I feel like God's saying to me, "Say, you know, what, Rick, I-, I am the creator of the universe. I am the master of all that is, and your prayers." They kind of depress me. (laughs) And I'm God, and I really don't like being depressed. (laughs) So here's what you can do, Rick. That's what I hear you say. Uh, You can start every day. You can begin every day. Invite me in. Or you can start the way you're doing it and make it all about you. And you can focus, you can fill your mind with all of your mess-ups, with all of your inadequacies, or you can let me fill your mind with my sufficiencies. Let me repeat that. You can begin your day filling your mind with all your inadequacies, and there's plenty of them. Or you can begin your day by allowing me to fill your mind with my sufficiency. And there's plenty of that. When you begin your day in prayer church, it's not, it's not meant to be a miserable, painful experience. Are you just going all oh, such a worm as I, oh, blah, 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 all, all the time, you know? You're coming to the presence of Almighty God to start your day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, yes, I know you have pain. You're going to be praying in the prayer. You can do that. You're going to bring self-awareness of your own sin. Yes, do that. But if that's all that it is, you're missing the mark. You're starting every day of your life Coming into the presence of the Almighty, it's an amazing, beautiful thing that fills you, not empties you. God, show me Your will for me today in this moment, and then give me the power to carry it out. And that's, I invite Jesus into my day, and that start that way. And I look at my calendar. Okay, I think of the people I'm going to meet with. The people, the appointments that I have, the meetings that I have, and I, I begin my day by going through my calendar and just all the things that I know that I have on my day. And I just kind of stop about the day and I invite the, the will of God, the knowledge of God, the presence of God, and power of God. God, just please be in each one of those experiences so I can have the power to be more like Jesus in every one of those circumstances. And when I mess up, I stop and I ask for forgiveness, I ask for mercy. God, will you show me again that I'll try to be better the next time? And it's an all day experience. It's just, it's just, it's just, and then, and then, and then I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna listen. After I pray, I'm gonna listen for God thoughts, for God stuff to come into my head. Some of you don't believe God does that. Some of you think God does that, but He wouldn't do it for you. I think that's kind of interesting. Because when we read the Bible, God spoke to a lot of spiritually unimpressive people. God spoke to Cain. He killed his brother. God spoke to David. He was an adulterer. God spoke to Solomon. He was a polygamist. God spoke to Jonah. He was a runaway. God spoke to Peter. He was a denier. God spoke to Thomas. He was a doubter. God spoke to Lazarus. He was dead. God spoke to a donkey. And we don't even know his name. (laughs) Why would you think God wouldn't speak to you if he'll speak to a donkey? He knows your name. Robert McFarlane brand new follower of Jesus, businessman, just got baptized, driving into work one day, and just the weight of work hit him. You ever been driving into work, and the weight of work hit you? I mean, just just, And he thought, you know what? I don't even want to go to work. I got so many problems. I'm just going to drive off in the distance. He had about 22 issues that were so big that the, the, the business could go down. It's all on his shoulder. He said, you know what? I just want to drive away. And so he got in his car and just started driving in the highway, just driving. And became aware he was not alone. And in his mind, he heard, like, God say, hey, uh, pull over. So he pulled over, just stopped. And he sensed the voice of God, this, this thought of God. He said, you know what, uh, Robert? My son felt a lot of pressure. He felt the world on his shoulders. And he asked me for help. And I helped Why don't you ask me for help? His head just fell on the steering wheel. He started sobbing. I mean, just sobbing from the core of his being, just, I mean, just crying. Pulled the car off the road, started driving. Not until nowhere, he drove to the office, walked in. He just started moment by moment, just every little, just attacking every little problem, just attacking every issue that he could. But he got to the end of the day, they weren't all done. Some were resolved, but pr- for the most part, it was just kind of beginning. But he was changed on the inside because he learned something about himself, and he learned something about God. That if he asked him, God would give him the power every second, every moment, and together he and God would push through the day, even if the circumstances didn't change the way he wanted them. It was a relationship. A woman who had a problem child, anybody here ever had a problem child? Anybody, anybody don't raise your hand maybe too high right now. Saying, yeah, they probably have a problem kid. And you pray, God, will you please change that kid? Change that kid. Change that kid. Change, change that kid, God, will you change that kid? And so she's praying, God, change that kid. And then God, God kind of gets at her attention and says, you know, listen, I designed that kid. Hey, Well, you think it was you. I designed him just the way he is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to study your son. I want you to discover how I made him. And so she did. Guess who needed the change? I'm just saying, church. If all you're doing is trying to pray, get you're just trying to control all the actors in your life to line up the way you want them to be instead of you submitting yourself to the power and the mercy and the strength of God. And then I'm going to do it throughout the day. This is not on your notes. I didn't put it on the screen. I'm going to pray breaks throughout the day. I pray in the car. I pray in the store. I pray in conversations, email. I don't, I don't open an email without praying. I don't want to send an email rarely without praying. Get on Zoom, uh, what, whatever it may be. I just encourage you to pray throughout the day. It's a constant conversation with God. Show me the will. Show me your will you want for me in this next situation, this hard conversation. God, you know, I blew it. God, show it again. And then the last thing I will say is end my day with prayer. End my day with prayer. It's a great way to end the day. Doesn't have to be long. Just a couple of minutes. Just a couple of little minutes. I, I love what the scripture says right here, Lord. Uh, uh, at night, I, I love your name. I, I love to remember your name, O oh Lord. I love to remember your name, and then you just kind of. It's a great way to wrap up the day. Now, here's how I want I want to end here. There's one other thing. It's the biggest thing, barrier to prayer. In most of our lives, and this is it. We have this sense of self-inflated self-sufficiency. We think we are the captain of our lives. We think we're in charge. We think we're the bad A. We think we got it. We're the head. We're, we're, we're it. We're it. And we are the one. We're the captain. And we, it's, it's our job to be in control of our lives and everything else. So why pray? I have a niece who works in Washington, D.C., for someone who is running for election, whose name will not be shared at this time. (laughs) And she was home for the summer, and we were having a meal together, and she talked about all the corruption and all the egos and all the power that's in all of D.C. and all the stuff that's going on. And while we were visiting there, it reminded me of a story. I told the story of this gentleman who was in D.C. teaching a protege about the ropes. He said, man, this is a crazy city. He said, yeah, here's, here's what, what D.C. is like. He said, look at my window. You see that log going down, going down the Potomac River? He said, yeah, I want you to picture 200,000 ants on that log. He said, man, that's a lot of ants. Said, yeah, picture 200,000 ants. Every single ant thinks they're steering the log. In Washington, D.C., every single person thinks they're in charge. They're in control. You know who else thinks that? Until you fall in the crack in the sidewalk. God has allowed me the privilege to hang around here a long time and I know the stories of some of you. You were doing everything right, living your life for God, living your life for Jesus, worship, serve, give, tithe, pray, did it all right and then all of a sudden wrong showed up. A child is born. A disease that will never go away. Alzheimer's shows up in a spouse, a godly woman, a godly man, doing everything right, a drunk driver, and everything changes. Cancer, COVID. Can I just tell you the truth? We're not steering the log. We need God. Every second of every breath, of every moment of your life, you need God. God, show me your will for my life in this moment and give me the power. To carry it out Let's pray together for a second Just get still for a moment Be aware of the presence of God I don't know what's going on in your life the decisions to be made, the grief that you are carrying, the loss of a loved one, just leukemia, cancer, Alzheimer's, drunk driver you still not got over. That. God, I confess to you, there's so much about this life I don't understand. I don't understand, God, why sometimes my relationships are so hard and being a parent is so hard and being married is so complicated and challenging, God. I don't understand, God, some of the things that happen to us out of the blue, God, that seems so out of our control and our whole world comes crashing in, God. We wake up each morning, God, to a new day. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. This is the day that you have made. But God, that, that little... Thread. there's a thread, it's so thin it's so thin that holds this life together and sometimes God it just snaps and so do we so God right now I pray for anyone and everybody who can hear my voice God on their behalf God we need you We need you. Make yourself known to us. Give us your power, your presence, your grace, your love, and your peace. That moment by moment. we might live, and love, and act, and grieve, and celebrate, and parent, and be married, and single, like Jesus. I'm just going to give you a second for any unfinished business, you and God, just right there, just whatever it is. Let him know where you need him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.